We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think this one's a no-brainer, personally, uh, but he says, if you could only bring back one player, and he gives options, Jalen Smith, Robert Blanton, Will Fuller, or Golden Tate for 2022, who would it be? To me, it's just a no-brainer. It's Jalen Smith. Yeah, it's he, he's the me. one. He, he, I, don't, yeah, I don't think so either for me. Uh, really? Okay. Yeah. Jalen Smith for me. It, it's between Will Fuller and Golden Tate for me. He's, Vince, he's the best player of that group. We would all mm-hmm. say he's the best player of that group, but it's about to me. It's about, and I imagine for Ryan too, it's going to be more about what what, what player can have the greatest impact on what the needs are for this current football team. Mm-hmm. Plus, yeah. let's be honest. I'm going to interrupt Ryan because I need to get this in before he talks. Mm-hmm. Jalen would come back and take Mare's position. We can't have that. <laughs> you could put I'm you could put Jalen at any I'm one kidding. of the three linebacker I'm positions. I'm kidding. And he'd be just fine. Yeah, I mean, there's a, I mean, there's a depth issue right now, a wide receiver, right? And uh, I mean, if you give me Will's game breaking speed, or you give me Golden Tate's ability to affect the game in so many different ways, I, I would take either one. I don't know which one I would pick yet. I'm thinking about Golden. it. I might take Golden I, too. I take Golden close. because Will's a monster and like big play guy. But I feel like you can get some of what he did from Lindsey and Styles. Golden Tate in an RPO offense would be absurd with what he could do after the catch in college would be absurd. I mean, think about how many times it's like, it wasn't RPOs, but like in direct sense, but remember Charlie used to do a lot of that stuff where he just do those quick look passes. You know, if that guy's off, just catch it and throw it. It's kind of an RPO. Not really. Right. It's, 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 you know, but it, it, it's similar to it. And, and golden put up monster numbers. So I, I feel like just from a fit standpoint, they have guys, I think Ryan, that could stretch the field, not like Will Fuller can, but they can do it. There's nobody that I think could do things after the catch like Golden did. That that would right. be the reason for it. Yeah, I mean, the the only thing that would have swayed me away from those wide receivers is if they put a former really good corner on the board there. Then yeah. I would have had a second thought. Yeah. But, and and yeah. I love Robert Blant, but he's not he's not enough of a move needle mover for me. Yeah, I mean, he's a good player, but it's not a weakness of the defense. So yeah, yeah. if you had to put like Kavari Russell, uh, Julian Love, Darren Walls, yep. Todd Light, Mike, <laughs> Mike, Mike Richardson. I would think Mike yeah, Richardson. Yeah, like, yeah, uh huh. Yeah. Not over Golden Tate. I'm not. I like Mike, but I'm not taking him over Golden Tate. But yeah, that's that's what I. So again, Vince, it's not. I mean, I think we would all agree. Jalen Jalen Smith's the best player of this group. But it's just I'd find a spot for him. It's like and he, 
What's that? I said I would find a spot for Jalen Smith. It's not and... about finding a spot. I mean, he could start playing wherever heck he wants. If you want to put him a corner, put him a corner. I don't. <laughs> it's more about the defense is already going to be really good, right? Like we know it's going to be really good, and Jalen could make it even better. But it's like the the improvement you'd get on offense from having a Will Fuller or Golden Tate would be greater than the improvement you'd get on defense because of Jalen Smith. This is a question straight for Ryan. It says, "What college rule would you change that you feel would help players develop for the pro game?" What college rule would you change? Ooh, that's a tough one. I don't know if I have a perfect answer for that off the top of my head. Um, I got one. Do you? Okay. Yeah, corners. If, if like making the the jam rules more similar, I think that's one thing. That a lot of corners that that, that kind of make that adjustment. Some of these systems that they're just allowed to beat guys up in college, and they get the NFL. And it's like you can't do that. And they get too grabby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it can, it can shake their confidence. And that'd probably be the one thing. The first thing that popped into my head would be that. That would, I mean, that would, I mean, I can't think of a whole lot of others, Ryan, as far as yeah. Rules. Well, now that that's a good one though, because you see guys like C.J. Henderson, for instance, at Florida, where like he was just so grabby in college and he just got away with it all the time, and then he comes to the NFL and it's just like that's a flag, friend. Like that's I've not. I heard the Michigan fly. State kids under Nardu and under D'Antonio Narduzzi a lot too, like Dark mm-hmm. West Denard and Trey Waynes mm-hmm. and those guys too, because they just tried to they tried to get as grabby as they were at Michigan State and they just got flagged for it. And then they're like, oh wow, I can't do that anymore. And now everyone realizes I'm not as athletic as, <laughs> as they thought I was because I can't grab. I can't think of any other rules, Ryan, that would really impact the game. I mean, you could say, no. you could say, like, I, like if you were to make the hashes more narrow, I don't think that helps players develop. I think it would just expose college quarterbacks more, mm-hmm. you know, guys that aren't NFL players. I don't think it would help them develop, uh, you know. So I don't know if, if I don't think so either. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll we'll go with the grabbiness because I was even thinking on the other side of it, like would that help improve the wide receivers? But I think that helps them, right? Because <laughs> they have to be better release packages to right. get off the line. So right, yeah, right. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. John says, is there a football version of Did anyone app? other than John ask questions? To so many, he's got like 35. Okay. Well, we're not That's even good. we're not John, even at the start time of the show yet. Okay. Okay. John, John's a great John's a great, great yeah. guest. So I yeah. love it. 
I yeah. love it. Is there a version of the Fab Five in recruiting? Right now, Notre Dame has the number one defensive lineman, arguably the number one linebacker, and has a shot with the number one QB, arguably wide receiver, offensive tackle, and safety as well. I'm sure Alabama's had a couple of those <laughs> yeah. in the last 10 years, you know, lining number one players. Um, well, part of what made the Fab Five so good, it, look, it's like there have been plenty of, of recruiting classes that had five guys ranked higher than what the Fab Five was because – Jawan Howard, Chris Weber, and Jalen Rose are all top 10 players. Jimmy King was a top 15 player, but Jackson was like near the bottom of the top 100, which in college recruiting is not a super, super player. What made Fab Five the Fab Five wasn't just they were highly ranked, it's that they played as freshmen. Right. Like it was the first time you'd seen five freshmen. At the same time. Yeah. Right. And and so, it, you know, to, to have that impact, you'd have to say, okay, which of these guys would be elite players, top of the, you know, board players that would also come in and play as, fr- like, start as freshmen? that would make it a little bit of a harder a harder sell for me. So cuz like Drake you, let's say Drake Bowen's number one linebacker, Ryan, do you see him coming in and starting as a freshman? I don't. No. Keon Keeley could, maybe Dante, but I like I don't see a lot of other guys that to me would would, you know, if you landed Samson Okunlola, he's not coming in as a freshman starting unless there's no. an injury. That basketball's a much different game. Yeah. Different. I could see a safety if if you got Caleb Downs. I could see him coming in and playing right away. I, th- I think mm-hmm. Peyton Bowen will have a chance to play right away. Uh, you know where I would say it would have to be Dante, right? Because you need a big name guy in Keon mm-hmm. Keeley, two big name guys, five stars. To me, you'd also you you could get into a situation where if they're able to get a, a like if they were somehow able to convince AJ Harris to come to Notre Dame, like it, you know, get him and then it, you know, then a receiver, like it'd have to be stuff like that, Ryan, where you, you where you could have these these skilly type of guys, skill player type of guys that would come in and, and play right away. It just be hard. These skilly. I like that. I like that word. Skilly kind of guys, (laughs) corners, running backs, receivers, safeties, that kind of thing. You know, I was funny. I like either that or skillish. That's okay. Derogatory. I I made a word up yesterday too. So I'm I'm there with you, man. I don't even know what the word was. I was proud of you. I was proud of you. you. That's how we roll here, man. I'm trying to do some research to try to find a uh, fab five equivalent in football. I can't, I can't, I'm sure Bam has had some, but again, it's like, well, had some in started landing them, but you just don't often see, especially good teams. The teams that are getting that many five-star players aren't needing those five-star players to play right away. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Cause they're a good program already. Yeah. Yeah. No, How about yeah. this one? This one's pretty good, Brian. Ready? Uh, Clemson 2018. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Ross, Xavier Thomas, Jackson Carmen. They all played early, right? Darian Kendrick. Jackson didn't play much as a freshman. Jackson didn't play much? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He okay. didn't start anyway. I mean, he played, but he didn't start for them. Okay. The other guys did. Yeah. But Xavier didn't start on that team. He just played on that team. He, he was good as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Though. He was really good as a freshman. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it just it would be hard to do. I, yeah, it, it it would have to happen at some school that's trying to ascend that just went out and bought five guys. True. Like then that's more likely now where they just buy five studs and they all go in and play. Like it'd be like Oregon like, State like, has some. Yeah. Like Texas A and M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, even like it like an Oklahoma State or like a like a even lower level. I was because the reason I said Oklahoma State is I was thinking the late T Boone Pickens could just be like, hey y'all. You know, here's fifteen million dollars. Go get her done. You know, I mean, I could see something <laughs> like that. Um, but that's a that's about it. I just yeah, it's harder to do in football. Notre Dame two one six four says, How talented is Keon Keeley? Really? I know the kid is special talent, but how special? All time prospect 
or maybe just the best defensive prospect in the past few years. Thanks, I just guys. like the premise of the question. Like we've been lying to him this whole time. <laughs> like, I don't know what he's saying, but like, right. how is he really like, let's be honest now, guys. Like you've been hyping him up. He's not really that good. How good is he really? Uh, Brian, you want to take a crash at this one? <laughs> uh, I mean, he's the best player in Notre Dame's class. He's a legit top 10 player, legit five-star recruit. I mean, he's the best player. Notre Dame has signed defensively in a couple cycles, right? At least yeah, I mean, I'm trying to, to think me, back. He'd be, the, he'd be the best defensive player they've signed since Jalen. So he'd be the time, best yeah. defensive lineman since Aaron Lynch. Cause I viewed Aaron Lynch as a top 10 player coming out of high school. That's fair. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, that, that's borderline generational talent type of guy. Look, is he best all time? I, no, I'm, I don't know if I know. I mean, that's just, but nobody is in this class. Best defensive prospect in the past few years, absolutely. I mean, the, the, to me, that's a no, that's a no doubter. I mean, that's how good he is. He look, he's a legitimate top five to ten player, in my opinion. And it's just that that's the deal. And he's got a room to get. I still think there's a lot of room for him to get better, Ryan. I don't think he is a finished product. I really don't. I think he's a guy that still has a chance to get better as a player. He's going to get bigger and stronger. I'm just talking even just as a high school kid. Yeah. So yeah, I um, you know, he's he's a big time player. Just, just wait until he's like 255, 260. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, mm-hmm. he, he's a game, he's a program changing type of guy to answer, mm-hmm. to like to answer your question, like all in good fun at the beginning. But yeah, to answer your question, he's, he's the kind of guy that changes your program because he's the kind of guy too that, that other players want to play with, right? Like, oh my gosh, you guys got, you guys got Keon Keeley. Okay. There, there we go. Demetrius Rex says, thoughts on this statement. Tyler Buckner is more of a balanced pocket passer than a runner. I would never call him a pocket passer. I just, I think if you were to make him a pocket passer, you're taking away one of his best strengths. Could he, could he do damage eventually as just a pure pocket passer? Sure. But would you say he's more of that? No, I think, I think he's a, he's, he's the epitome of what you want in a dual threat quarterback. He's a dual threat. Yep. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I just, I just don't, I don't think I could, I would, I don't think you'd want to make him a pocket passer. Yeah, why would you? Why would you make yeah. a, di- a dynamic athlete just a one He needs to be able thing. to – like Ryan will agree, he needs to be able to be able to just sit in the pocket, and if you're going to say you're going to drop eight and take his running away, he can pick you apart and make all the throws, sure. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I would want to see. I would want to see that. All right, this is going to challenge me for sure because you guys are better at the history. I know Brian's way better at the history than I am. So well, when you says, want the loose emoji as long as I right. do. Exactly. So I've got names in the top of my head, but I know that they won't be right. So it's, it's not about David, right. It's, it's it's who would your all fair enough be? There is no wrong there. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. So David James says, "Okay, Brian, Vince, and Ryan, who would your Notre Dame all-time offensive line be?" Okay, so we're not picking a singular offensive line. We're making our offensive line, right? Correct. Okay. Yes, correct. Making so you you get to cherry pick guys from. I've, 19, I've been asked on. this before. So for me, I can't go all time in regards to, cause I never saw Leon Hart play. I can even name you got linemen from the Newt Rockney era. I'm just gonna mm-hmm. go by guys I've seen with my own eyes at some sure. level. That yeah. to me is the only like, like standard I can go with. Mm-hmm. So my center is the easy one. It's Jeff Fain. That's like, mine too. Jeff yeah. Fain is uh-huh. a, that's a no brainer okay. for me. Aaron Taylor's on mine. Yep. yep. At, that was go ahead. Right, so my guards are are um, Aaron Taylor and Quentin Nelson. Yeah, 
the tackles are get a little bit trickier uh, because there's there's been some really you know like so like part of me wants to put like Zach Taylor at guard, but you know or Zach Martin at guard, but like in college I think he's a he he was, was a great tackle. I'd probably put him in like right tackle. And then I got to think who my left tackle would be. That that would be the the t- I mean you got Ryan Harris was a really good one back in the day. You had Andy Heck. You know, it was mm-hmm. a heck of an offensive lineman. Lawrence, Aaron Taylor was actually a left tackle in college. He played left tackle for Notre Dame, but it was in a triple option offense, you know, so. So we can move guys too, huh? We can move yeah. to different positions? Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, what about Mike Rosenthal? No, he was a good player. He was never an elite player. I okay. would take Liam Eikenberg over him. I would take Robert Hainsey over him. Okay. Now, he ended up, you know, being a first-round draft pick, but I never thought Mike Rosenthal was a great college player. Because, um, like, you know, Ronnie Stanley was a really talented player, but but he was never – I mean, he gave up way more – he gave up like four or five sacks last year at Notre Dame, like where Liam Eikenberg didn't give up a sack in his last two years combined. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'd have a little – I'd have a tougher time with that left tackle one. Um, I'm, going, I'm going a little unconventional because I'm, I'm not going to – I'm not going to use Aaron Taylor because I don't really remember Aaron Taylor that much. Like I remember him a little tiny bit in the NFL, but – so I'm going to go Jeff Fain, you said at center, was fantastic. Mm-hmm. First-round pick of the New Orleans Saints, fantastic football player. Quentin Nelson's a no-brainer, obviously. Mm-hmm. Le- I'm going to put Zach Martin at left tackle just because we're talking about college version, right? Yeah. So I'm gonna go I, got, I got him there for now. I just, yep. I'm just trying to think of who else to have. Right tackle, I'm going to throw Ronnie, St- Ronnie Stanley because he was, he was a right tackle at one time, so I'm going to put him at right tackle. And then I'm going to go uh, guard. The other guard's tough, man. Like I'm thinking like – Guys, I've seen so I'm thinking like Alex Bars. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking recently with Aaron Banks, just for like the big flashes that he had. I might just go with Aaron Banks Chris just for Watt. the upside. I might go with Aaron Banks for the upside play. Ooh, Chris Watt, that's a good one. Yeah. Chris Watt was a good player. Yeah, yeah. I, I like Chris yeah. Watt. I just like his attitude. You know what I mean? That's a really good one. Yeah, you, some, you, know, you know, Ryan Harris was there. He was a good one. Like you know, I think especially in Harry's offense, you know, which is a zone and you know, wanting athleticism, I. You know, really thinking about a, a tackle combination of Ryan Harris and Zach Martin would be kind of fun. That would you, be an intri- intriguing. How, how about um in that system? How about putting Ryan Harris in a guard? Think that could that could work? It's a little, it was a little, a little undersized for guard to me. Yeah, but if we're running yeah. a lot outside zone and but he's yeah. not he's not starting over Quentin Nelson or Aaron. See, well, no, but I'm, I'm trying to find another guard. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I mean, I'd, I'd be fine. I, w- I would say probably Zach Martin would be a better guard and Ryan Harris isn't too far off from what Zach Martin could have been as a tackle. So I think as far as just the fit there, but I definitely understand wanting to have Zach Martin, a left tackle. He was so good in college. So yeah, that uh, that's an interesting that's one. Good question. McGlinchey would not be on mine. McGlinchey actually might be on mine. If I need a right tackle, actually, I may actually think about that. If I had Zach Martin, a left tackle, cause I I'd like McGlinchey about better, but if I was going to go with a modern tackle, I'd, I'd probably go with either Eichenberg or Ronnie Stanley as one of my tackles, but I'd probably go with, I'd probably go with Ryan Harris. Right. Yeah. Cause they're Harry. He stand to be my own line coach and I would have loved to seen, and Matt Bayless would be my strength coach. And I would have loved seeing Ryan Harris with those guys. Guy won a Super Bowl with the Broncos. How can he not be on my list? I mean, I just got to get there, you know. I went, I went down a rabbit hole here. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm being very random, but I was looking at like some of the better recruiting classes and stuff, and I just got mm-hmm. stuck on the uh, 2003 Notre Dame commits for a second. I just want to read some of these names because this is a fantastic class. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. just getting sidetracked. Victor Ad- Abby Amiri, number one recruit that year, according to 24/7 Sports. John Sullivan, Brady Quinn, 
Tom Zibikowski was in that class, listed as a dual threat quarterback. By the way, well, Tom. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was a QB in high school. He was never Thank- recruited to play quarterback. That's right. What was so dumb about him being listed. <laughs> Ryan Harris, who we just mentioned a little bit ago, Trevor Laws was in that class. Ambrose Wooden was in that class. Chinadim Chinadim Nadukway was in that class, listed as a wide receiver coming out of Ohio. Travis Thomas, Jeff Samarja. And John Carlson was also in that class. Yeah. So that was that was a pretty good class, man. That, that was, was and it class. was Ty's first class, mm. and and they were able to kind of build off of the success they had that that first year. And there was a couple other guys I really liked in that class too. Uh, you said Ryan Harris, mm-hmm. um, you know Isaiah Gardner was was a was a kid that I had saw, seen a person. I remember Freddie Paris was a really highly ranked guy. Joe Brockington was a decent player at Notre Dame too. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was. He was. He was. So yeah, there that was a that was a pretty good class. Ashton McConnell was a pretty good fullback. He was a pretty good fullback too. Yeah. That's a good class. And then then to see the what's it what's an even more depressing experiment is then go look at that compared to the next two classes. <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> terrible. Oh my goodness. Anyway, uh here's let's get a couple of these starred ones, Vince. Yeah, I'm actually honest. down to the starred one. Okay, so that's cool. good. So you let's let's go with this one. Thanks for an easy one. Yep, Ty B over under Tobias Merriweather catches ten balls. It's got to be over. Yeah, over, over, over. Barring injury, definitely. Right, me. all of these kind of prediction questions are all barring injury, yeah. but I, that's got to be over. Number one because of his talent. Number two because of the depth. I mean, he's going to play. <laughs> right. He has to play. Right. So, yes. Yeah. I would. I would. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely over. All right. Sean S, when are we going to get a three amigos poster with Brian, Vince, and Ryan? <laughs> the answer would be never. Wow. Who, who would be in the middle, Brian? No, no, never. It doesn't matter, <laughs> right? Because it's not going to happen. <laughs> not can, we, happen. can we call it like the four horsemen poster and get Sean involved? No. True. We're not, we're not I want to see you and poster. Sean on a horse. We're not, what's wrong with you? Smoke crack before you got on the show today? <laughs> Let's move on to the next question. Oh, what? Let's move on to the next question. Hey, somebody starred that one. It wasn't you just made me. it weird. Okay, what? you just made it really. I weird. like horses. Okay, these are, these are mean. You're not helping yourself. These are mean. <sighs> getting a little Con- nervous about the game today, or something like that. Like you're getting a little distracted. We're getting there. We're getting too close to game time. Uh, Connor O'Doherty says, "Hey, coach, what's up with Carnell in Tennessee?" Is it the national media hyping it to be more than what we thought, or is it a, is the smoke real? Well, I, I think that I think the smoke is real, but I I, don't, I mean, uh, yeah, I think you know I've heard from some sources that things are heating up pretty quickly there, and uh, I think the NIL stuff is going to be a lot more impactful for Carnell than he had previously let on. And the reason that so I'll be honest about the reason why my feelings have changed because Carnell has said all the right things about Notre Dame to Notre Dame to Sean to IB to Lucky Lefty all of it right. But when I hear so like and here's the difference Dante goes to Ohio State and I talk to my sources over there and they're like yeah he saw Notre Dame right and he everybody's saying that. But when when Carnell talks to non Notre Dame people they get the impression the Notre Dame's not even in the game. And that's usually a sign that, like, he's stringing Notre Dame along. Yeah. Because Notre Dame is the program. This is just my read. Notre Dame's the program. He can kind of hold up and be like, well, I'll just go to Notre Dame. If I'm not getting this, and I'll just go to Notre Dame. But, I mean, like like Chad Simmons, you know, I, you know, I was told that Chad Simmons reported that, like, Notre Dame's not really a factor for him. Chad doesn't 
Chad has a very Southern bias towards his recruiting, but he's not going to make a comment like that if there's not some reason for it. You know, and so uh, I just I have really lost any confidence Notre Dame is going to get him, and I and there's nothing Notre Dame could have done about that one. I mean, it's just yeah, right, exactly. It's just the reality. At of least the current the staff. Situation. Um, yeah, but honestly, like Sean had said to me, he was like, "Look, this kid's going to be he's going to truly be in play until the end." So, like, even if he would have committed to Notre Dame early because the oh, previous I staff see, I the ball, yeah, I see what you're saying. Right, Notre Dame still yeah. wouldn't have been able to compete with some of those to things hold on for someone to who's it. wrapping his whole recruitment around that being the decision maker. And that, right, that's just that's just going to happen. So right, that's why that one has changed for me. Brian Denbo has a good one here. Is tight end blocking handled through the O line coach or the tight end coach? Tight ends coach. Yeah, tight ends, and I, I would say at times some a little bit of both, but it you're it you got to go to your position coach, I and mean, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Adam says, do you think with Marcus Freeman as head coach, Notre Dame will start scheduling teams to Notre Dame fans aren't used to seeing? Well, I mean, Tennessee State was a good start. I was going to say, that was a... The head coach isn't the primary driver of that, though. That's also The AD true. is the primary driver of the schedule. The head right. coach may say, hey, look, I'd really like to play such and such. Right. I'd really like to get down to Texas or whatever. And the head coach will have a role, but the AD is the driver of right. of the schedule. Yeah. The AD so, might ask for, hey, what are you thinking about? What, what would you like to I've got these three schools that have called me. If Who would be your – who would be your – Right. What would your order be if we right. left the play? And I think there's conversations that happen yeah. like that. But, yeah. the, the, yeah, like the Marcus driver. Freeman didn't walk into the office like, we're playing Tennessee State. That's not how it went down. No. I right. don't think that's how it went down at no. all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Steve says, if you guys were developing the overall game plan for Ohio State, what would it be? How do you slow them down, and where do you attack offensively? Uh, I mean, defensive line-wise, I'm working a lot of different movement. I'm bringing some blitzes. I'm mixing up coverages. But more than anything, I, their offensive line last year was very slow, very slow-footed. So I am mixing up those fronts, and I am attacking gaps. I am attacking all day against that def- offensive line. Absolutely. It's still so early for me to really get too much into it, but I think this big picture wise, Ryan said you've got to get, you've got to get the quarterback. You can't let CJ Stroud get comfortable in the pocket. Agreed. You just can't. You can't. And you also can't let the run game get going. Like you have to win in the trenches. So I figure out ways to win there, knowing you're going to get beat at times in the pass game. You take some chances, knowing that you're going to give up, but it's going to also result in yeah, we gave up a touchdown, but we also got a big strip sack and. Right. We forced him into an interception or things like that. Offensively, you know, come out, run a ball, create big play opportunities with your screens, with your with your shots down the field, things like that. I think those are all part of the game plan, you know, but it's it's the big thing is, Steve, is you've got to win in the trenches. If Notre Dame can't win in the trenches, they're they're going to have a hard time beating Ohio State. They really are. It's going to it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Yeah, and I'm I'm attacking their corners too, their secondary. I'm yeah. attacking that. And that's that hard. big play, the yeah. play, yeah, yeah absolutely. The perimeter stuff from, yeah. from an offensive standpoint. Yeah, but you have to be balanced though too. I mean, you have to be able to run the football, and if you can't run the football, it doesn't really matter. Like right. you can't take the same offensive game plan that they had against Oklahoma State into the Ohio State game, right? I right, mean, because that's not going to work. So um, you've got to be balanced, but you've got to attack those corners. So right. that, that would be my offensive game plan. Agree. Agree. We, we got a super chat here from Bayside Tiger Six. Great name, by the way. That's AC Slater's quarterback number. Uh, Orgeron thought 
Marcus Freeman turned him down, yet built a bridge there. I'm confident in Marcus Freeman having a great network and reputation when he has to replace assistants. There's no doubt about that. I mean, there's no question about that. And he's the kind of guy you want to work for. I mean, there's a lot of coaches. Find, hey, look, he lets you bring your kids to practice. He, you know, he wants right. your family to be that's a part big. of it. Like, that's really big for a lot of coaches. Absolutely. Like, there's some coaches it just doesn't matter. But for a lot of coaches, especially coaches who put value on being a parent, yeah. that stuff is going to matter. Yeah. It's, it, plus, if, if Marcus Freeman has success at Notre Dame, meaning they go out and win a bunch of games, then you're definitely going to hit your – you know, your, your trail, you know, your wagon to that one, because I mean, it's going to, it's going to set you up for so many opportunities to become a head coach, but also like, you know, there's going to be a thought of like, this guy's going some places, you know what I mean? If, if he stays in Notre Dame, then I've got a great opportunity to use this as a springboard, but you know, maybe the NFL comes calling, who knows? I mean, sure. But yeah, I mean, you want to be part of successful programs and, and if Marcus Freeman has success and he's doing it the right way, then there's going to, cause this is how it always works, right? Like that's why, there's been so many New England Patriot assistant coaches get hired, even though they all sucked. Right? I mean, have any of them been any good? Romeo Bra- Cornell Bra- had a Bra- year or two here or there. Mike Vrabel's pretty good. Mike, Mike Vrabel. Okay. Yeah. That's about the only but I would even argue they've underachieved a little bit the last couple of years. I mean, I mean, they were uh, no, they were number one seed in the AFC. Yeah, this year, but look what happened. So. Well, yeah, because they're not very good. They were a flawed team. Right, but, but the yeah. NFL, it's a, it doesn't matter. So, like Marty Schottenheimer's the king of that. I mean, they always had great regular seasons, but you Marty Ball. Season. Don't insult Marty uh, Ball, man. So that's one. But like they continue to hire these Bill Belichick assistants. Why? Because they're hoping that they can tap into the magic that Bill Belichick has created. Right? That's what people do. And if Marcus Freeman has success that, that people think he's going to have, you're going to want to be a part of that. Like, I think that's partly why Dabo's had a harder time getting big assistance there is because his guys just aren't leaving for big jobs. Yeah. Right. Like Jeff Scott went to South Florida and you know, all those other kind of things. And, and so, uh, you know, I just, it's, um, you know, but then urban Meyer, I mean, guys are getting jobs coaching with urban, you know, you look at some of the guys who have gotten head coaches from him. So coaches who want to have aspirations are going to want to, you know, jump on board with that one. And, and I think that's going to have a part of it. Plus it's going to be a good work environment. It's very demanding. He expects you to do your job, but he's not in your face, like screaming at you and doing all that other kind of stuff. There's, there's people that like that. Cause there's, you know, especially coach with egos, like, man, I'm, I'm a grown man, dude, you come at me like that. We're going to, we're going to have a problem. This job ain't worth that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, and that's why Nick Saban turns over coaches so much because it, it's a hard place to work. Speaking of egos, I've got I, mine's, Mine hurts at the moment, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and put this one up here. I don't like this avatar. I don't like it at all. It says it's called Vince's receding hairline, a and there's a there's yeah, a not, picture oh, not overly funny. There's a picture of my head, and I don't think that that's a receding hairline. But whatever, yeah. fine. I'll read your question anyway because I'm whatever. bigger than that. I, I think it's a great hairline. That's just Thank my you. opinion, though. Thank yeah. you. All right. Um, how do we feel about potentially having five studs at running back? Do you think any? Of you think we have a hit for the portal? Okay, I got to read this again. Uh, do you think any of you think we hit the portal for a wide receiver? Okay, so there's two questions here. One mm-hmm. about having five studs at running back and one about hitting the portal for a wide receiver. I mean, it's never a bad thing to have talent at a position, right? I, I mean, we're in the age where players might transfer at, at any points, so, so like that's always a threat, but I mean – I'd rather have too much talent than too little talent. So that's <laughs> right. where I am at that. Um, Absolutely. Not opposed por- to having talented players. <laughs> yes. Portal for, <laughs> portal for wide receiver, we've talked about a ton. I don't think that you need to go there yet. I don't think that that's a necessity because, again, it's not going to help you until the 
the fall semester anyway, right? So I, I think let, let they, it play out a little bit. They will hit the portal. I mean, they, they will try to find a guy, but it's it's most likely going to be more for a depth piece than yeah, it is going to be absolutely. for anything else. For a starter. Yeah, there, there's now look, there's some guys in the portal. Like there's a kid from Louisville that just hit the portal that if like if yeah, if you can get that kid, sure. Yeah, like 19 catches for over 400 yards last year. I'm sure, go get him. But those guys aren't jump. And I've tried to tell people this. Most kids don't jump in the portal like, okay, I'm open. Where am I going to go? They have an idea. Most kids from power At least those high-level guys. Yes. Now, a kid from Johns Hopkins hitting the portal so people can know, hey, I'm here. You know, here's what I got. But the kids that leave Alabama or, you know, leave Louisville and places like this that were actually good, Jameer Gibbs did not hit the portal and then Alabama called. Right? right. Do you all understand that? Like That was the done deal. He hit the portal because well, that was – the portal was created to be the first step in the process. It is not. But as it, as it is when the NCAA does all these stupid things, it, it's never how it intended, right? Well, we meant it for good. Well, you, okay, whatever. You failed. Uh, it's now the final step in the process. Yeah. Right? And, you know, it's it's for, for the bigger name kids. So, yeah, he didn't hit the portal thinking, gee, where am I going to go? He hit the portal saying, okay, now I can officially get what I need to get to Alabama so I can go to Alabama. Right. Right? I mean – that doesn't it's it's not true of every case there's some kids that genuinely hit the portal and you know and and have interest but they it's rare it's rare that these big time schools are having that happen to them but sure (laughs) another uh super chat uh thank you very much ricky really appreciate it It says happy good friday ivy nation what are you guys hearing about the offense adapting to tb12 2.0 what is your confidence level in tyler as a passer our confidence level has always been fairly high. Tyler Buckner as a passer, I, I what I've seen in person, I think he's looked great. I, I've, I've had no issue with him as a passer. And are they adapting the offense to him? I mean, to a degree, that's not going to be identical to what we saw with Jack Cohn. Mm-hmm. I mean, but the offensive philosophy is still going to be very similar, right? I mean, I just think really the big adaptation, Ryan, adaptation, Ryan, is just going to be the quarterback runs. I mean, yeah. it's not going to be like it was last year. That that's they did that because that's the skill set that they needed from Tyler. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to run him as much as they did last year. But look, it's going to be a part of it, right? It's going to the the quarterback runs is going to be a part of it. I think the screen game will be part of it. I think, you know, I mean, I just our, I think RPOs will be a part of it. We started to see that last year. I think it's the quarterback runs that's really going to be the adaptation, and that's not really that's not really an adaptation. That's just tagging something. Right, like you're already running inside zone. Now you just tag it to where you don't need to seal the backside off. You're just doing it as a read, and the quarterback's responsible for the backside. So right. it's it's really not a huge. This is what I keep saying, like Ryan. I think there's this thought that because you know we've been asked this about Dante and, and Tyler Buckner. Well, if if Tyler, you know, when Dante, if Dante replaces Tyler, you know what's going to happen in regards to them changing the nothing changes. The offense doesn't need to change. You're just right. going to kind of it's going it, to. Just you know, this is your offense. You just focus yeah. on these things a little bit more than you did some of those other things. It doesn't require you to change your offense. Right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you said it perfectly. You're going to use, obviously, some different wrinkles to get Tyler Buckner's athleticism involved a little more. Mm-hmm. And, like, the R- RPO might look a little different because there might be a little more of a read extension right. off of the off of the. It might be that triple option. RPO that we, we did it, in that breakdown that they did a little yes. bit with Brandon Wimbush in 2017. Oh, right? man. And speaking as a former coach, that is such a beat to stop, dude. My God, when that guy can extend it right there, and then all of a sudden that little whoop, and it's out of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it, I think it just becomes – it just looks a little different, but it's still the same concept. Like, you're not changing the offense. There's just a, a new wrinkle that's off of it. So Right. All right, what's next, Vince? 
Well, I know how excited you are about these questions, uh, but it was starred, so I'm throwing it up. It says, is Dante Moore and Carnell Tate scheduling visits to LSU that weekend negative or just eh? Even if it's not an official, wouldn't Notre Dame want them to be on campus for the Blue Gold game? Yeah, we already answered that question, basically. I mean, it's it's looking. Yeah, you'd rather them be on campus, mm-hmm. but if it means they start their official visit process earlier, then that's, yep. a, I'm also, that's, a, I'm also, that's a plus. I'm also still not worried at all about LSU for Dante Moore, but no. yeah. I'm not either. And I'm not worried about it for Cardinal Tate based on things that he said about Brian Kelly in the past. What I think this is, is you go to Cardinal Tate. Look, the more schools you visit, the more schools you get in the process of of the bidding. The the, it, the, it, the bidding war. Let's right. be honest for some of these guys. That that is what it is, right? I mean, right. you can say it because that's what it is. Right. So, I mean, we'll see. Vince, What? where are you at right now, time-wise, with your questions? I am just rolling through the starred questions. So okay, but it should still have times on. Yeah, 1253. Right? Okay, cool. Thank you. Yep. Because you're getting ready to get out of here, so I just needed to get where you uh, Yeah, absolutely. You yeah, are. I got down to where the starred questions started, so then I just rolled over to the starred ones. Okay. If that makes sense. Yep. So you want to roll All up right. that uh, next one? Yes, I will. Up? So Jason uh, asks, what do you th- – I know, I know what you're going to say – what do you think about this offensive wrinkle? Triple option out of a two-back set with Estime as the fullback and the dive option and literally any of the other three running backs as the pitch option. Brian loves the veer, loves the triple option. Man. I know, that's why. I, he's a big, huge, he's a veer fan. <laughs> Remember the Jason, Titans. It's like Jason's no dead to me at this point. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I mean all, all joking aside for a second, though, I mean, it, it would look pretty nice. Estime is the dive back, Buckner's athleticism, a couple nice Damn. running backs. It would look nice. Chris Tyree is, as a pitch man? Oh, man. It would look nice. It'll never happen. And the reason <laughs> for that is, no, no, like seriously, practically speaking, it takes a lot of work to run the Yes, it does. It and it has to be. Who, what you do every single other because the timing, timing the yep. the I mean because a lot of times you're pitching that ball you don't know where the running back you're not is. looking you're assuming he's there yep and you know you just float that thing up there and you're expecting him to kind of run underneath it and and it'll never happen it'll never happen now yeah. like there are some things you can do that that would be giving you like to Jason's point like the the point is legit like yes it just won't look like that the point right. is legit in that there are things you can do with your read zone package. That mm-hmm. would be like, I, honestly, Ryan, you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to them to be like, like, you know how football, it's cyclical, right? Like things come around. I think some fun stuff to do with a guy like Tyler Buckner, and there's some quarterbacks coming up that I like that bring back the old school spread. Remember, like we got that slot guy kind of going in motion and he's mm-hmm. the pitch guy, you know, yeah. and you're just running read zone and then that guy like comes some... around and then you're pitching off of it that way. Like I think yeah. that'd be more practical to do if you really wanted to do that than the other. But I, even then I, I, I think a lot of the stuff would be just more off reads because once you involve the pitch into it, Ryan, yeah, it becomes a dangerous play. It's tough. A- everybody wants uh Chris Tyree in the slot for some reason. So yeah, let's give it to him, there Ryan. A little, little old West Virginia action there with Pat go. White and Steve Slayton. There, there you go. But I, that's why I also like the RP, the, the RPO triple you were talking about so much better is because, if you if you mess up a forward pass, as long as it hits the ground, you're fine. Right. If you mess up an option and that's it's a true. fumble, it's a live that's, ball. That's a good point. And so that's true. what I that's why I like the RPO sometimes a lot better than the read zone and a lot better than the option because it just it eliminates some of that risk that's involved when you're when you're running those type of concepts. That's fair. So yeah. Robert is next in the queue. He says, in yesterday's show, it was mentioned that James Laurinaitis is officially a grad assistant. What can he do on and off the field or practice? Is he helping with tackling improvements mentioned? 
Well, the nice thing is, and this is the shocker, like I have no clue how him and Chris Water are eligible to be graduate assistants. I have no idea. There has to be some sort of NFL rule that your clock doesn't start till, till you're done with the NFL. It has to be something like that. And I, and I don't know the rule because normally it's seven years from the time you're done playing. Hmm. And, and they're both past that. But they both also had professional careers, and so maybe that's it. But it's great that that's the case that it's happening. But anyway, the nice thing is GAs can coach Ryan. I mean, they they're they're basically assistant on coaches, the field coaches, yeah, yeah. And you can work, you can be on the because an, an analyst can work with guys in the film room, but he can't mm. instruct on the field, right? And a GA can, right? And, I mean, the only honestly, thing the GAs are restricted on is recruiting. Right. Being on the road. Recruiting. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, the nice thing, like Tommy Reese in 2017 was Notre Dame's quarterbacks coach. He was technically their graduate assistant. As a grad assistant. Because it was the year before right. they were going to expand the coaching staff. Right. So it was like, you know, be the GA this year and the next year you're getting that full time slot. Right. Yep. And so, uh, yeah, Brian Kelly employed a graduate assistant quarterbacks coach, but had a full time special teams coach. So <laughs> still yeah. with him, though. So it's all good. It's, yeah. Thank God. I- <laughs> No comment. No comment. comment. I'll comment. You're allowed. Thank God. I coached one of his kids, so I'm going to not comment. But um, and she was adorable and really good. Met his daughter. She she's she has got a lot of personality. She's a really cool little kid. She's so cool. I really enjoyed coaching her up. So, but she had to leave mid season to move the boot. So anyway, I got to roll, guys. I got a game to get to. Uh, it was wonderful as always. Happy Good Friday. Happy Easter to everybody out there. And uh, I will see you guys later. You guys carry on. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck. Thank you. <laughs> I, like, I like I like this one, Ryan. DMND13 says, how much in Super Chats would it take for you to, to have a show just on your highlight tapes? I, I, I think we should do a Wednesday night, just breaking down your highlight tapes when I think. It'd have to be a huge, huge super chat number. Uh, huge super chat number. Set a number. Set a number. Yeah, it'd have to be, it'd have to be a pretty big one. Uh, Ron Kateki, Lorenzo Styles is a better player than Kevin Stefferson. Similar games discuss. I mean, I mean, yeah, he's a better all-around player. Stefferson, I, I think the one similarity I see is that they're both very smooth players, and I think that they – they kind of eat you up a little bit because they don't look quite as fast as maybe they are. And then they're just, you're kind of like, Oh, they're by me. They they can, mm-hmm. they can move a little bit. So I think that Lorenzo is a better route runner than Kevin ever was. I think he's a more natural hands catcher than Kevin ever was, but Kevin was really talented, man. I mean, yeah. he's one of my biggest guys where I'm just like, I wish it could have worked out because he was a really talented wide receiver. I think he was more smooth and fluid than Lorenzo is. That's fair. Lorenzo's a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. And I would argue Lorenzo's faster, like just pure speed. Kevin wasn't a burner. He just was so smooth and he was full speed from like step one. He was deceptive. And, yeah, but he wasn't like a burner burner. Like in his 40 times at his pro days weren't, I think it was in the four fives, right? I don't think he was all that fast. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, I think he's a, he's a better player. Kevin was a really natural receiver. That's the thing about him. He was a very natural football player. And then we do got to kind of get through some of these questions because it is getting close to 2.30. Just so you all know, I put the link to the, the Jabron Payne show. We're going to, when we leave here, we're going to take about a 30, you know, 20, 30 minute break. And then we're going to be back at three o'clock uh, to carry Jabron Payne's announcement. That's the 2022 running back who's going to make a commitment today. Notre Dame, Kentucky, a couple other schools are in the mix. So we'll, we'll have that. Uh, Mark Applegate, how is Clemson getting ranked fourth? This is referring to the ESPN Football Power Index. How is Clemson uh, getting ranked fourth? And I really don't think there is a big uh, that big a gap between us and the top four teams. 
I mean, name name recognition for Clemson. I yeah. mean, that's what it is. And their you know. down year, folks, they went not ten and three last year. It's yeah. not like they were four and eight. I mean, yeah, they weren't a great team, but that's kind of the thing is they weren't a great team, and yet they still went ten and three. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that we have to remember is, you know, they beat more ranked teams last year than Notre Dame did. One, but it's still more than Notre Dame did. Uh, the other thing too is Clemson finished hot. I mean, they won their last six, and their bowl game against Iowa State, like, that was a a close game. But prior to that, I mean, their last three games were 44-7. to They beat a a ranked Wake Forest team, 48-27, which is going to knock Wake Forest out of the playoff contention. And then they beat South Carolina 30 to nothing. They ended the season on a pretty strong note. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, and they've got a ton of dudes coming back, like a ton of dudes coming back. So... I don't, I don't mind it. I mean, preseason rankings to me are nothing more than like status symbols and like it's respect or disrespect for where your program is. But I mean, Notre Dame was ranked fifth. I think the absurd thing wasn't that Clemson was fourth. It was a dumb comment the guy made. Like there's a bigger gap between Clemson and Notre Dame than Notre Dame and Baylor at 19. Like that was just a stupid comment to make in my opinion. I'm like, do we not forget that Notre Dame in the, in this stretch, you know, Clemson's beat Notre Dame, you know, three out of four times. Notre Dame beat them once, took them to overtime another time. Like, you know, it's, it's like, you know, and Notre Dame was more competitive against Clemson was in the playoff in 2018 than Alabama was. So it's just, but that's just what ESPN does. It's about saying things for effect because they know that now Notre Dame fans are going to go click on that stupid article and they're going to get their, their money and all that other kind of stuff. Does anyone really go to ESPN anymore for actual analysis? Does like anyone actually do that? It's an honest question. I don't. I don't know. If there's not a game on, I, I don't have ESPN on my television. I just don't. If there's not a game on or the draft, I don't have it on because it's just, it's just bad. It's a mm. bad product. Oh, and a thirty for thirty. I'll I'll, I'll do those. Thirty for thirties are good. Yeah. Those are good. When we the other day we had said the only thing they do well is is games, and somebody was like, "Their thirty for thirties are good." And yes, that's that is actually the best thing that ESPN does because carrying a game is just like the talent on the field is, and or the court or the diamond is what's making it good. Because mm-hmm. normally it's like that game was good, but man, those announcers are annoying as crap. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, but the thirty for thirties is an excellent thing that they do. There, yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, they, Ed- they they do well with documentaries. Yeah, just in general. very good yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. When they actually do reporting, mm-hmm. they used to be good at that, but they got rid of all their good reporters. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. So John F. says a little off topic. Thank you for the super chat, John. I live in South Bend and I'm proposing to my girlfriend on May 9th. I was planning on doing it on campus in their name. Any suggestions on specific places to pop the question? That's kind of funny. I'm going to actually be in court. I got uh, jury duty that day. <laughs> uh, but, you know, to me, I think uh, there's a couple places that I can think of that, like, down by the lakes, if some of the construction and stuff is done, is really pretty down there. It's like you know, like maybe go on a nice walk around the lake and all that kind of stuff. And then maybe pop the question because the grotto's right there too, you know, which is mm-hmm. a pretty cool one. Uh, the basilica's right over by there. Those are good. If you want it to be more like football oriented, you know, try to, 
you know, one of the times where like they're taking like a tour, they do like tours on camp. I don't know if they're still doing those because of the stupid COVID stuff and whatever, but um, you know, if they're doing tours, you can maybe get it down on the 50 yard line. Something about that, you know, maybe down there uh, or in the locker room, but I think anything down by the lakes and the grotto and the basilica are really, really cool places to do it, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you if you want the background and just kind of the, you know, the feel, I get yeah. I I think those are all good suggestions. John, I just hope that your hopefully soon to be fiance is not watching the show right now. Hope not. Hope not. Uh, the other one is if you if you're looking for like the, to me the the grotto and the lake is really aesthetic for just you and your presence. Uh, if you're looking for like really cool shots, do it in front of the admin building with the golden dome in the back. That that Fair. would be that would be really nice. So if it's about the photo shoot, then it's in front of the dome. If it's about the moment, then you want to do it. You want to do it there. Ryan, where did you propose to your wife? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, I took her down on a little wine trail to uh, Cape May, and then I had a carriage ride and took us down to nice. the beach. So nice. Yeah. We I yeah. and proposed to Angela up in Estes Park in the mountains. So nice. We are nice. One of, that's one of her favorite places. Yeah, get to a couple of these super chats here before we get out of here. I want to just get to make sure that we get to some of those. Uh, John F. also with the super chat said, also wanted to add, been a member since October, and I love IB Nation. Thanks, guys, for everything you do. Cheers. You're, you're very welcome. And uh, the other thing we forgot to do is I hope she says yes. <laughs> so good, good luck with that. Mason Sidwell with a super chat. Thank you, Mason. He says, if you had to pick one linebacker to win a Buckus Award at some point, who would it be on the Notre Dame roster? I mean, I, I'd have to go with Maris first just because Maris, yeah. he's a veteran. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it you know, it comes down to on the current roster, it comes down to Prince Collie or Jalen Sneed would be my next my next yeah, J- Jalen would probably be my next guest yeah. as, as long as that's assuming he puts it all together, which yeah. there's no reason to think he won't. So yeah, tons of upside. I think those yep. those uh those would be good ones. Michael S with a super chat. Sam saw Denbrock on YouTube. Uh, seemed very lucid. You're the coach and need a DC. Who do you choose, Tommy? Or you need an OC. Who do you choose, Tommy Reese or Denbrock, and why? I'd I'd go with Tommy Reese. Yeah, I, I like Mike Denbrock. Mm-hmm. I just think Tommy Reese is more creative. I think Mike's a good football coach. He's a good guy, good recruiter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his offenses are about just being fundamentally sound and you know, using your talent. I think Tommy's a far more creative coach. I think Tommy does a lot more of the modern stuff well. Mike did a nice job. I mean, look, he led a Cincinnati offense and went to the playoff last year. Right. But it was more of like we saw Notre Dame in 2015, just like use your talent, do your job to win the games. But, you know, in the big game, he, he couldn't. He couldn't do things in the Alabama game that got his players he had open because they weren't good enough individually just to be out play Bama. And so we just didn't see him do things schematically to really create openings. And that was always been the issue. I think Tommy Reese can do those kind of things, Ryan. So that's why my my answer would be would be Tommy Reese. Would you any any uh yeah, no, I, I probably I probably defer to Reese, but either way, honestly, like I I, I also like both both um for different reasons. So I'd be okay with either one, but I would pick Reese. Yeah. John F. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor, John. I'm bringing this up because I want to thank you for the super chat, but can you do me a favor? Can you put this on the message board? This would be, this is going to take a lot more time than we have right now, (laughs) but that'd be a lot of fun. Who would be on your all time team? And could any other schools all time uh, beat them in your opinion? I mean, there's a couple schools that would be able to have 
I mean, Bama would have some impressive teams. USC would have mm-hmm. some impressive teams. But yeah, Notre Dame's would. I'd put Miami would have some impressive teams. But I'd be willing to put Notre Dame in, in that conversation with just about anybody. M- Miami's impressive team w- was a team, like, yes. not some one team. So yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's Miami's all time team and just most positions. Yeah, yeah. So put that on the message board, John, because you just said you've been a member of IB Nations of October. Man, that'd be a, a really fun conversation for us to have. That'd be a lot of fun. And to get other people involved, because I think those are always fun, because no one's lists are the same, which is what makes it fun. Andrew Vandenover with the Super Chat. Thank you for that, Andrew. Specifically for Vince, who do you believe will have the most receiving touchdowns this season, Meyer, Styles, or Tyree? Well, Vince isn't here, so we'll uh, go ahead and try to answer that for you, Andrew. Um, Brian, do you, have a, do you have an answer for that one? I mean, I, I hope it's Mayer because I want them to get him more involved yeah. in the red zone, and he's the most – I mean, he's 6'5", 255, 260 pounds, so like – Makes the most sense. Wait, yeah. wait, wait. Most receiving, yeah. Most receiving touchdowns, yeah. Right. Meyer, right. Meyer, Meyer would be my pick. Yeah. Yep. Same here. I mean, I just, I, I would imagine. I think the receiver touchdowns are going to be spread around a little bit. I do, and it, it won't be Tyree. If it is Tyree, something, it's probably because something bad happened. Because I just don't see a running back getting like nine, ten touchdown receptions. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. seven just last year alone. You know, so. Mm-hmm. That would surprise me a little bit. Jay with a super chat. Jay, we haven't seen Jay in a while, so it's good to see him here. What's and this is for you, Ryan, since you are uh, you interviewed him, had two really good stories up on him, a preview of the visit, and then a, a re- recap of the visit at IrishBreakdown.com. Yep. But he asked, "What's Notre Dame's chances of a la- of landing uh, or uh, chances with elite 2024 defensive event Elijah Rushing, who recently visited, and how would you compare his game to Keon Kelly?" Can I say one thing? Mm-hmm. I saw the picture of him next to Al Golden. That kid is freaking huge. He's a sophomore, man. Yeah, no. <laughs> I know. I monster. I, I showed my buddy that picture because I was like, I mean, he looks like Keon Kelly a little bit. I mean, like, yeah. honestly, man, he's a massive kid. The, their chances, I, I think they're good. I think they're very good early. Yeah. I mean, he 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 says all the right things about Notre Dame. He made it priority. He got he got offered on the pot of golds, you know, offer sweep sweep, whatever you want to call it, you know, on mm-hmm. St. Patrick's Day. A couple weeks later, he's in he's at Notre Dame when I talked to him the first time. When he first got offered, he says, you know, he's basically said like Notre Dame is the place to be where he go where he goes to school. So I, I think there's gen- there's genuine interest. Uh, it's an imperfect comparison, Jay, for me to Keon Kelly because I've only seen Keon Kelly's junior film. I have not seen him as a sophomore. All I'll say is that Elijah Rushing is kind of similar. They're both six five plus. They're both extremely long. Rushing, I mean, seven and a half sacks last year, seventy five tackles. So he's active in the run in the past game. Huge upside. Um, I mean, again, I, I just think it's it, it's not fair for me to compare a junior highlight tape to a sophomore highlight tape. So I'll, I'll get back to you on that. I'll take a look at Keeley's sophomore because I know Brian said that he liked mm-hmm. Keeley's sophomore highlight Loved tape. Loved it, yeah. But he, took, but he took a huge jump, obviously, as a yeah. junior, which is expected. As a sophomore, he was a kid that had a – you could see the natural talent. He had an incredibly high ceiling, but he had to fill out and all that. The biggest difference between them as sophomores is Elijah's just thicker. He's just – I think Elijah, to me – is going to eventually be a big end. I don't think he's going to be a viper. I think he's going to be more of a and he's and I think Notre Dame would like to transition to more of that type of big end where it's not a big three technique type of guy. They right. want someone that can rush the quarterback. And mm-hmm. that's why they like Brendan Vernon, that's why they like Jason Moore and that's why they like Riley Mills at that position because even though those guys are huge, they can rush the quarterback. Now, one of those guys is going to play inside, but one of them will be a big end. And that's where I'd see Eliza rushing is like, uh, you know, with Keon at Viper and a kid like Eliza rushing at a big end. I think that ideally is where Notre Dame would like to go yeah. um, with that, with that alignment. But I think, I mean, he's, 
he's 225, 230 now. That frame, if that's what he's listed as, he's going to be 260 pounds or 250 pounds by the time he's a senior. I mean, he's, he's a big he's boy. De- He's definitely more than 225. He told me the first time that he that he has been very, very, um, very focused on adding good weight this offseason. Okay. So I, I think he's already into the 230s. Yeah, if that's the case, then that's I mean that's impressive because he looks bigger than that, you know. So yeah, he's a he's a really impressive looking kid, Ryan. Just a couple more super chats, and then we have a couple other questions. I think there's a couple really good questions I wanted to get to here. Uh, Bayside. Tiger six with a super chat. Which TV movie coach would be a good fit at Notre Dame? I'm going with Hayden Fox. Hmm. Eric for, Taylor, Friday Night Lights. Never the show. It's the, good. T- the TV show or the movie? TV show. TV, TV show. show. Yeah. Boy, that's a it's very, very, very religious man. Very. Yeah. He, he does everything the right way. So Eric yeah. Taylor. I out. honestly, man, I'd have to really. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. You know, because a lot of the football moves I think of, like the head coach, you know, you'd have like Ed Elzate. Uh, no, that's actually that was his name in Last Man Standing. Uh, what was his name in Necessary Roughness? <laughs> you know, he was like a do it the right uh, way. Uh, um, oh, Gennaro. Ed, Gennaro. Yeah, Gennaro. Straight arrow, Gennaro. Straight arrow, Gennaro. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite scene from that movie, and there's so many good ones, is when he's in the hospital and uh, the defensive coordinator's doing his speech, and he's like, let's go over what's been working for us not a gosh day and, he rip, <laughs> and then he's just like does it and he's like rip his head off and you know what down his blank and throat and then he's like he pauses let us pray <laughs> it's just like such a coaching moment it was so great uh, uh i hayden fox big go but it, that, like hayden fox like that wasn't that show kind of like they were kind of goofy right like they were kind of yeah. like like they they had the, the thing i didn't like about that show i'm being honest with you i'm being a little serious for a minute but like they 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 were coming off like a championship or whatever, right? Like something like that. Like, but then they 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 portray them all these bumbling idiots, right? Like Dobber's like a meatwad. The defensive coordinator is Luther's like just this moron. Mm-hmm. And then and it's just like, how do these guys win a championship? Like they're a bunch of idiots. <laughs> you know, so I just kind of kind of never really liked that one a whole lot. Here, here's a good one for you. Uh Ryan, I'll get to you. Uh, rank Keon Keeley, Brennan Vernon, Jason Moore, and Bubakar Traore. That's pretty easy for me. I would go Keon Keeley, Jason Moore, Brennan Vernon, Bubakar Traore. Vernon and Moore is a legitimate conversation. I would entertain yeah. either order of that, but I, I think that that's my safe yeah. order there. That would be mine as well. I, I think if we were going to – part of the problem is with the way Brennan's used, it's hard for him to play to his full potential. Agree. So I would say that the conversation for me, I don't have a conversation about who's a better player right now. It's Jason Moore. The conversation I would want to have is who has the higher ceiling if used correctly. I think that would be a little bit of a different conversation for me. But I mean, I, I have the same order that you do, Ryan. Matt La- Matt last says, Brian, I know you don't want to talk about Tate anymore, but if Notre Dame gets James on the 19th, who do you think becomes the de facto number one receiver target? Who takes that spot on their board? Well, I think there's a I, – I think that – I mean, Rodney Gallagher is a guy they love. I'm not mm-hmm. super optimistic that Notre Dame's going to get Rodney Gallagher. I'm just not. I need to see him on campus first. I don't I don't know what it is, but just – I think they have a shot at him, Ryan, but there's just – you never get that bad feeling. You have no evidence for the bad feeling. You just have a weird feeling like, I just don't know if they're going to get that guy. Right. Um, that's how I'm going to feel about Rodney Gallagher until he visits and I hear about how – that it re- went really well. 
We had mm-hmm. a report on the board last night that, that Notre Dame's making a run at Tyler Williams. That would make me very happy. But again, I'll 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 be excited about that one when he makes a trip to campus. But I, I think it comes down to me at this point in time of guys we know, it comes down to Rodney Gallagher and Ronan Hannafin are the next two guys. I think that they're gonna really prioritize. Uh, in yeah. regards to being the next guys in the class. And I think as far as timing of who's going to commit, I think Ronan Hannafin's probably the next in line to to potentially get get convinced into jumping on the board. I, Rodney yeah. Gallagher's taken – he's already set up like at least three or four official visits in June. Yeah. He's not deciding anytime soon. I think Ronan Hannafin's a guy that maybe you could, you could decide to make a decision here in the end of April and sometime in May. That's yeah. my, my read on the situation. Yeah, I read it similarly. I think they would love Rodney Gallagher. Like you said, the the process for him is just really starting though. So there's not it's not a easy to read timetable for him. He's going to take his time on it. I I think that they may prioritize Jaden Greathouse to a degree. They're going to have him a couple times on campus. I hope they prioritize him to a high degree and then I guess Rico Flores would be another guy to at least keep an eye on, but I would agree to your read. I think it's Rod um Rod, uh, Rodney Gallagher and and uh Ronan Hannafin are probably the top mm-hmm. two. We have a super chat from Tommy Guns. He says, attention to my wife's comment. Um, Tommy, I don't see anything after that, so I'm not quite sure. Um, I'm not quite sure what you're referring to. So I was I was looking down there for it and I didn't see anything else after it. So if you could if I'm missing something, can you just put it put it back up there so we can we can see it here. And then there was, uh, again, we're going to be about 17 minutes. We're going to be on again. There was one other question that I had that I wanted to, I think that I wanted to get to. I just want to make sure that I don't, I don't skip any of the over some of those super chats. And I appreciate all of those. Let's see here. Oh, here's, here's an interesting one. We'll, we'll wrap up with this. Quinn Kelly says, hypothetical Notre Dame loses Marcus Freeman to LSU as the defensive coordinator. Brian Kelly still leaves after the 2021 season. Who is Notre Dame's head coach right now? I mean, I mean, realistically, who would I want them to be the head coach? Who, um, who do you think it would be? I have no idea. Do you have an I idea? Be, I think it'd be Luke Fickle. Think, oh, okay, okay, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, 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 and I'd be okay with it, but I wouldn't be thrilled about it. I'd be solid with it. He's a good yeah. coach. And if he said no, it'd probably be Matt Campbell. Those were kind of the next two guys on the board for for Jack Swarbrick. I'd be okay with both of them, honestly. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm happy that they had Marcus yeah. Freeman more than both of those. I think they moved they'd be the solid. More, but, they'd be yeah. solid coaches. I mean they'd they'd be they'd be like Brian Kelly, but just different. Yeah, you know. I mean, I think that would be. Yeah, I mean they're de- they're definitely not dynamic, right? And that's yeah. what I think Marcus Freeman could yeah. be is dynamic. So I would probably I've I've gone back and forth on this. I think I might have said the opposite answer before. I'd probably go with Matt Campbell over Luke Fickle just because I, I Luke Fickle is such a dry I think you need a little personality to successfully recruit at Notre Dame and That's Luke fair. Fickle doesn't have one mm-hmm. I mean he he can recruit to Ohio State because he's an Ohio guy and he, he's passionate about the play I just there's just something about Luke Fickle I think he's a heck of a football coach it just makes me wonder if Notre Dame would be the place for him especially right. he's like kind of grumpy as he gets about things like this isn't the place you want to have that kind of personality because mm-hmm. it would not it would not go over well in my opinion so
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.